1: to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, and today we're going to talk a little bit of uh, of Giants football as the Giants get ready to face the New York Jets in their 2019 preseason opener. And here to help me break down uh, the Giants, break down training camp, break down a little bit of uh, of expectations for the Giants in 2019, is Matt Williamson, occasional contributor here at Big Blue View and host of the Locked On NFL podcast. Matt, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Ed. It's great to talk to you, bud. How's things going?
1: Good, good. You're you're busy these days. I keep getting messages from you that you're that you're driving back and forth and and going to uh, Pittsburgh Steelers practices a lot these days.
2: Yeah, one of the, my many hats I wear is I am on Steeler Nation radio regularly, and we're doing shows from camp almost every day. It's about an hour and a half from my house, so I pretty much live in the dorms like the players, and sneak home from time to time to mow the lawn and those type of things.
1: Don't, you know? Don't don't we ever kind of grow up from from dorms and hotel rooms and, and that kind of stuff?
2: It's fun, man. I mean, there's like community showers, and I mean, it's true dorm life. But the food's good, and the atmosphere's good, and go out to a watering hole in the evening and hang with uh, some of the people from the team and whatnot. So it's a fun environment, but it, it wears on you a little bit too.
1: There you go. Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm two and a half hours from uh, from MetLife Stadium, from where the Giants train, and and I've been going back and forth a little bit. I usually try to hang out, you know, spend a couple days there when when I go. You know, put myself up in a hotel and uh, and, and and stay for a couple days at a time. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's good stuff. So hey, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Giants a little bit. Uh, you know, Matt, I was interested. We just had uh, Hall of Fame weekend. The latest uh, enshrinees into the Hall of Fame. You did a post for us on the on the 2020 class on the guys that uh, on the former players that that you would like to see enshrined in in 2020, which is a year when they're going to expand the class. First of all, are you cool with them expanding the class for one year, sort of in uh, in honor of the, of the centennial?
2: Sort of. I mean, I think it's a cool idea. It's something different. But I'm watching, you know, the, the guys giving their speech a couple days ago thinking, what if there were 20 of these? This would take all week. And <laughs> my other <laughs> – I mean, they're long enough as they are. And my other problem with it, and I love Hall of Fame talk, Ed. I really do. I I talk about it a lot on my podcast. And I preface this by saying all these guys are great players, obviously. You know, we're talking about the ugliest girls at the beauty pageant, so to speak. But with all respect to the veterans that get in, isn't one a year plenty? And I almost feel like they deserve their own wing because – hey, guys, I mean, again, this sounds callous, but you weren't good enough to get in the first time around. And now all of a sudden there's 10 of them? I, I just don't see the log jam the same way they do. I mean, uh, I came up with some names on that article that are the, the the guys that are expected to get in, but none of them jumped off the page to me like, wow, what a travesty that Elsie Greenwood's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think they're all borderline guys or guys that shouldn't have got in the first time around. They had plenty of opportunities and now we're going to stick ten of them in. I mean, to me, it's not the same as when Lawrence Taylor goes in.
1: I I tend to agree with that. I mean, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. And right, if if you're if you're not a Hall of Famer the first six times you're on the ballot, what makes you a Hall of Famer the seventh time you're on the ballot? <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 I don't exactly. get it. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah I feel the same way about the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's like if you get thirty percent of the vote you know, the first six times, why are you still on the ballot?
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, it's not like your resume changes. I mean, you're done playing. Many of these guys haven't played for many, many a moon and people don't even know who some of them are. Um, Again, I'm sure they're wonderful players. I'm sure they're wonderful human beings, but to me, they should have their own wing or a, a, a separate section. And along those lines, one thing I do like though, is more contributors and more coaches going in. So, um, I don't have a problem with maybe an extra one or, the, or one or two of those type of guys going in this upcoming year. But the veterans who played back in 1950 that weren't good enough to get in the first time around, I just don't see it.
1: It's interesting that, that you went to the contributors, Matt, because I was actually going to go there next. And it's sort of the other side of the coin. I mean, here I am saying, you know, what – if you're not a Hall of Famer the first X number of times you're on the ballot, then then why are you one you know, the seventh or eighth time you're on the ballot? And I'm one who, for years and years now, has beaten the drum for, for former Giants general manager George Young as a Hall of Famer. I, for the life of me, have never understood why this man who did so much to turn around the Giants franchise a guy who's still referenced in the hallways when you talk to people there, a guy who, you know, many of his philosophies still impact that organization today. I, for the life of me, can't understand why he can't even get to be a finalist.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one, too. Uh, To me, when you talk about contributors to the NFL, he seems like the definition of it to me. I mean, in a way... I guess pun intended. He was a giant in his field, and I do think what's different about them as opposed to the veteran committee that we just talked, the veteran players that we just talked about, is I kind of feel like the contributors, coaches, got a little bit of the short end of the stick for a lot of years. He did a ton.
1: Yeah, he did, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's to me. I just I don't understand it. I hope that that this time with the expanded number of contributors going in, I hope this time you know, the Hall of Fame voters will, will, will rectify that. But I'm not optimistic because, as I said, he doesn't seem to even get the support to, uh, to be considered a finalist.
2: Yeah, if it doesn't happen this year, I think he's in trouble.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. It's uh, it, it's it's tough, but anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the the current New York Giants. And you know, there was an interesting piece from from Bill Barnwell in ESPN the other day, listing the Giants as, despite you know everything that went on this off season and and the the disparaging thoughts about Dave Gettleman. I mean, he was listing the Giants as one of his five teams that he felt was mo- most likely to improve. You know, not that he felt like they were very good, but he was looking at that five-win bar and thinking that they should do better than that. I mean, do, do you think that this is a team that, that despite all of all of the, the controversy over Gettleman's moves, is is more or less pointed in the right direction?
2: I have mixed feelings on that, and I read Barnwell's column. I, I, I like him. I think he's a really good analyst. He has a really strong football outsider's background, analytics background, and the analytics tell you that the Giants should rebound, you know, for all the reasons Bill mentioned, and I urge everyone to check that out. But I'm not sure that, piss, that passes the smell test for me. I mean, it's a, it, I think it's a difficult division. I mean, the two teams that are clearly better than them, And I have a hard time envisioning them having even league average quarterback play in 2019. Um, I do think Edelman has gotten too much criticism. I mean, I I wrote a couple articles for you guys mentioning how I thought he created a nice nest for a landing spot for a quarterback uh, working on the offensive line. The defense is going to take time, but it's a, a youth movement there. Um, I just think that in the end, I wouldn't have taken Jones. Uh, You know, I just don't think he's worthy of that kind of pick. And that's where the future – I mean, it's really dependent on one guy, unfortunately. Maybe he hits. Maybe he proves me wrong. Many quarterbacks have. But he would not have been my selection. And, yeah, I mean, I've been wrong about quarterbacks before. But Jones, to me, was not a first-round talent. He's not a future franchise quarterback. He would not have been my selection – but unfortunately, well, I mean, it, it happens to a lot of teams. The, the Giants will go as far as Jones will take him over the next several years, and Gettleman is going to be tied, for, tied with them to him forever. Um, hopefully he hits. Hopefully I'm wrong because I do think there's somewhat of a good infrastructure there for him to come in and be comfortable. But for the short term, I don't see the Giants being even league average at the quarterback position. Um, we'll see for the long
1: term. I do see some optimism and and some signs, you know, from my perspective, that other areas of the roster, especially with some young players, I think Gettleman did a good job in the 2018 draft, you know, with with Barkley. I mean, just based on the talent alone with Barkley, with Will Hernandez. you know, bringing in some some core players. I think B.J. Hill is stepping up. I know the Giants are excited about Lorenzo Carter this year. He's having a nice camp, and a lot is riding on his development for the Giants because they're so desperate for pass rush. And, and this this draft class, if he hits with a couple of those cornerbacks, um, if O'Shane Zimenez turns into be a turns out to be a pretty decent player, this draft class could. Uh, could also be a good one. So there are some signs that areas of the roster are improving, but but it it is all going to come back to whether Jones is what Gettleman thinks he is.
2: Yeah, and I agree with everything you said. And I do think these past two off-seasons, especially the draft, but also guys like Zeitler, are building blocks. I mean, are quality young players. Um, I think the defensive tackle position, you mentioned the corner position, We'll see on the edge, guys, but there's upside there. Um, so I do think, you know, certainly at guard with Will Hernandez, Barkley's a star, we know that. So I do think there are pieces in place, but like you said, too, I mean, I mean, Jones is going to be the key, of course, like it is with all organizations. And, you know, I think ideally he takes over sooner than later, shows promise isn't going to go to the Pro Bowl this year or anything, and then they have one more big offseason around them, then we might be having a different conversation a year from now.
1: Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll come right back here on the Valentine's Views podcast and continue our conversation with Matt Williamson.
0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, Giants fans, we are back on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're talking with Matt Williamson of Locked On NFL about your 2019 New York Giants. You know, people have asked me, Gettleman and and Pat Shermer have talked about improvement because they're never going to put a number of wins on it. They're never going to say we have to make the playoffs. And I've made the case that I think if some of these pieces show promise, if a lot of these young defenders... Show promise if Jabril Peppers looks like what the Giants think he is, if this offensive line plays a little bit better and maybe the Giants are able to add a young piece to that in the draft next year, no matter what the number of wins is you you can make an argument that there's been improvement, especially if Jones you know gets to play and, and looks like he can play quarterback in the NFL.
2: Yes, I think that's very true. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys on the team where you could certainly say their best football is ahead of them. And if eighty percent of those guys that we've brought up in the last couple questions or so are what we think they can be, then yeah, then you do have an infrastructure. Then you do have some star power in the making. Um, you, you do. I know people were very critical of Gettleman for taking Barkley over Darnold, but he's a superstar and. I mean, he can put the offense on his back and guide them through some tough waters, hopefully, and I think he can with better blocking and, you know, guys like Evan Ingram around him. We didn't even mention him. I think he's a really good player as well. But, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, that's for sure. So,
1: One of the other questions that I get from Giants fans all the time, Matt, is is how long will... The Giants' ownership give Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer to get this right. And, and I, you know, people say, oh, if they if they win three games or four games this year, Gettleman has to be fired. Pat Shermer has to be fired. And I'm one who thinks that probably, especially with the drafting of Daniel Jones, but with, you know, but also because you're trying to build that young core and you're building so much on the you know around the draft that. This, you know, Gettleman and, and Shermer, especially Gettleman, has probably built himself a little bit of a window here of, of two or three years or so to see how this all pans out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to be who knows what ownership will do. I mean, we know how the league works. People get fired all the time. You know, what, a quarter of the league changed coaches this year. But I think to be fair to those two, judging them after this season is too harsh, is too quick. I would give it two. I mean, I want to see Jones producing all those young players we talked about getting better. One more off season in the books to kind of uh, build it in his likeness and around the, the the way the coach wants it. So to be fair, I think they need to give these guys two more years. And if it's going, if it's clearly going in the right direction, and they're to the point that that stage of the game where they're, you know, a borderline playoff team or maybe better, who knows, or certainly um, a formidable organization, then you keep them. And, and if things are uh, in your wheel no, and you're not winning games, then you move on.
1: All right, Matt, we've got a preseason game coming up on Thursday, and the Giants, of course, get to play Sam Darnold in the New York Jets, although I don't think Darnold will play. So pre-season is preseason is pretty much here. I know you'll probably be uh, you'll probably be in Pittsburgh or or following the Steelers around a little bit. Why don't you, before you go, just tell people if they don't know where they can find your work, where they can uh, where they can find you on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I'm at Williamson NFL. You mentioned my podcast, Locked On NFL, doing that daily. Uh, those are the best places to check me out. Thanks so much, man.
1: This was fun. All right, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Matt Williamson for spending some time with us. As we always encourage you guys, please uh, be sure to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself.